but what a privilege to be with you guys. Life changes. Uh, Hillet and I had the privilege of being there three years ago, and we loved it. It was, yeah, it was amazing. We, we were blessed, and uh, and it was just wonderful to be able to spend and to get to know so many guys. Saw Michael this morning. Saw Gabe. He's uh, still looking so well tanned as he did three years ago. It's wonderful to see everybody. And uh, I have the privilege of having my daughter, my beautiful, brilliant daughter, Anae, with you guys this last week and so. And uh, so thank you to all the guys who have loved her so much. It's, uh, it's been wonderful for us here far away, 8,000 kilometers away, to know that there's friends in the tip of Africa that, uh, that love my family. And so it's, a, it's an incredible privilege for us. Thank you. But, uh, you know, when Mark said, you know, we're going to a thing called Flip the Script, <laughs> would you preach on it in the Book of Acts? And uh, I, I love the book of Acts. I, for the last 10 years, I think I've read the Acts through three, four times a year, every year. Um, and uh, it's, such a, it's such a relevant book uh, for where we live. But it is such a relevant book for the, for the church worldwide. You know, church, the book of Acts stopped at chapter 28, but it continues in chapter 29 for all of us. We're beyond. And, uh, and it's such an incredible book about how God is able to do things way beyond what we can imagine. And so, so I want to start my, ser- my, my preach on the book of Acts in the book of Mark, in chapter 1, verse 17. And I'm going to just read there for us. And there's an incredible scripture, very simple, Jesus speaking to his disciples, calling them. And he says, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. I love the immediacy of the whole thing. I love that at once. I love it happened as Jesus was walking. He was just, it starts in verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee. I've walked there with Mark and Candace there on Blowback Strand. And uh, it's just, as Jesus was doing what he does, he called these people out. Yeah. And they responded in, immediately. Yeah. Left everything behind and followed him. And so I, I, I love that, that God is shaping us and changing us and building us as we follow him. That's what he does. He, he didn't call us so that we could all stay the same. He called us because he wants us to continue beyond book, book of Acts chapter yeah. 28 with the mission that he's called us to. He wants us to leave the old behind and he wants to take up the new, the new cross of following Jesus. And as we follow him and as we, as we respond to his call, he shapes us and he makes us into that which he's created us to be. He created us in the image of God, uh, in the image of first Adam, but then he recreates us as we follow him and give our hearts to him into the image of his son, Jesus. Yeah, and he's it. constantly shaping us so we can become like his son. And, and so as this happens... The book of Acts starts to unfold. As we start to follow him, all these things start to happen. The Father is always at work and he's shaping us to be ambassadors of heaven. Ambassadors of heaven in another kingdom where, where his kingdom hasn't fully come yet. It's come fully, but it's also being established all the time. Yeah. And we become and we are his ambassadors in that thing. Yeah. And we lay down the old. We lay down and we pick up the new. And, and even today, I, I want to ask, have you, have you laid down your old life? Have you picked up the new? Are you following him or are you following you? Who, who are you following? My friend David Wallen, who planted this church, he says, the gift of salvation is free, but it will cost you your life. Yeah. 
It is free, but it will cost you everything. And Paul, in the book of Acts, in chapter 14, in verse 22, we read there from verse 22, he says, Paul says, as he strengthens and encourages the believers, he says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Now, just before that, Paul had gone through a big challenge. People were wanting to stone him. They've gone through this whole travel. I mean, it's been incredibly challenging. And it, but they're planting churches. They're going through much challenge. And he comes to this point and he says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And I, I want to say to you, life changers, and to those that are listening who perhaps are not from life changers but beyond, this has been an incredibly tough time. And to follow Jesus, even now, I'm so thankful I can follow him. Because if I had to follow myself in the midst of the wilderness the world is in, I don't know how I would have been able to get through this. Yeah. But God reminds us that even when we follow him, things are not a breeze. And even as we follow him, things are not always that easy. Yeah. We have to go through many challenges to enter and to go through and to establish the king, kingdom of God. We have to dislodge strongholds. We have to lay down our old parts of our lives, our habits, our whatever the things, mindsets. We have to change the way that we off, operate and live. Here in this part of the world, for 1,400 years, we've had strongholds operating in this region. You can just imagine what happened you know, to about 700 after Christ. And, 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 and those strongholds have been established. So when we come in here, and then this church was planted 22 years ago, and even today, we, 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 can, we can't just pray a casual prayer and think we'll dislodge all the strongholds that have been established and entrenched in these desert lands for a millennia and 400 years. And so the church around the world right now is going through major challenges. It's going through incredible. The world is going through an insane time. And the church too. So many of us, many of the believers, I said to our guys, many of the, the church world, like the world, has gone into trenches, has gone into bunkers at this time and have been hiding, been hiding. It's like in war and the bullets are flying and you're just ducking and you, you're hiding away. But you cannot take the king, you cannot win the war from the trench. You can hold the line in the trench, but you've got to come out of the trench to win the war. If you just stay in, no matter how comfortable you make your trench, no matter how nice it is, and you've got your Netflix in the trench, and you've got your, your comfortable hole, the trench stays the trench. And at some point, we as believers have got to come out. And there's been such a bombardment that the church is hidden in the trenches. But now, and part of this flip the script time, is that this is a flip the script moment where we get to come out with wisdom, dodge a few bullets, and take ground. World War I, if you're going to study the trench warfare, I've been studying it, it's just incredible. No matter how well the things were designed, the trenches were designed, bombs were still hitting them. No matter how well they were set up, flies were still there. They were rat-infested mud holes of muck. And you got stuck in it. And for years they got stuck. They couldn't because they were so fearful. And they just wanted to hold the line. But, you know, after three years, when the Allies eventually came together, they, they came together and they, they, made, they changed their weapons. They changed their warfare strategy. And on one day, the Germans call it the Black Day. On one day, the Allies advanced 24, 11 kilometers on a 24-kilometer front. And then that day caused the whole war to change. Because they eventually got the courage and the wisdom and the strategy to come out of the trench. 
and that changed the tide of the war. So when the Second World War started, the French thought, hey, we won the war in the trench. And they dug lines, the Maginot lines, and they set up all these things. And they thought, we will hold, the, the Germans will never come in. And the Germans flipped the script and came through the Ordain and woof, took France with their pincers and overrun the whole country in three days because they were hiding in the trench thinking they can win the war. You cannot win the war in hiding in the trench. You've got to come. And Acts, the book of Acts, is the church coming out. They think it's all lost. We always think everything is... We, we often, in the world now, many people sitting there who've lost loved ones, who've lost jobs, who've been sick. My family were all sick. They all had coronavirus. I'm stuck here and they were down there in Hillet and Anne and Emma and Dinah. They were all sick. And Hillet's parents are elderly. They were sick. So we have a little glimpse of what it was like. But I, I spoke to Rory, who you guys all know and love. I mean, he said he's done 10 funerals in this time for people who've lost, from people, friends of church and friends of his in this corona time. These are real things. So I'm in no way making light of everything. And every country has been different. And we right now are in a place where we only allowed five in our home. And so it's quite, quite intense. We can't meet. These are, these are challenging days. And you can, you can just go back and, and try and make it as comfortable in your little hole and just survive. But we will never win the war and just survive. There's a time to survive and there's a time to duck. But there's a time to come out. And there's a time to flip the script. And these are the days. And so I'm challenging the church. And I feel like God's saying, I'm doing something in the church I could not do when it was all good and well and comfortable. But now... I'm sifting and I'm shaping as they follow me and keep their eyes on me. I'm changing something in the script of the church. Acts 1 verse 8. But you will be filled with power so that you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Not that you will be filled to stay and dig a bunker deeper and make it nice and comfortable and feel fuzzy. I've been filled. But so that we could come out into battle and with boldness and warfare be filled with power to be his witnesses. These are the days. These are the days that we've been building church for. Come on. Yeah. Greatest advance happens in the greatest challenge. Come on. Coronavirus. Churches closing, fears of infection, disappointments, gossip. We've had gossip in church. We've had people moaning. We've had grumbling. I, I, once or twice thought, this must be what Moses felt like. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard some of all the nonsense. But, I mean, but it's real. These are real challenges. But this is how the church is shut to becoming like Jesus. In, in Emmaus, when Jesus died, it, when he died on the cross, and everything seemed like it was lost. And those two disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus. You read about it in Luke 24, verse 17. And they said they stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them, Cleopas, said to the other, and Jesus was there with them. And, and so Cleopas, their faces downcast, and he says to, to Jesus, they know Jesus. He says, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? In other words, he's saying to you, do you not know what's going on? But Jesus, from verse 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, explains to them what the scriptures have said concerning himself. I love it. He brings it straight to him. And the church at this time has got to bring everything to him. Yeah. It comes because of him. 
and people ask, what's going on? And these guys are confirmed, confused, and Jesus speaks to them and ministers. I love that in verse 32, and the one says to the other, we're not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Isn't that wonderful? They thought all was lost. And then when it came back to Jesus, when he brought it to them and he started to speak to them and, this, and he was touching them, the spirit was coming upon them, their hearts was burning. And the church is every time we think it's lost, it's never lost with God. Mary, she's standing at the tomb. She thinks it's all lost. Jesus is dead. The one that she loves is dead. And she comes early in the morning before all the, while the men are still snoring. There she is. She's early at the morning at the tomb. She finds the tomb empty. My friends, I, 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 just when it all seemed lost, I, I love that where Michael Eaton says, the stone was not rolled away so that... Uh, Jesus could come out. The stone was rolled away so that we could see in. We could see in. The tomb is empty. And she gets to the tomb where the stone was rolled and wedged. I've been to that place in the Garden of Gethsemane. I've been in the, there by Golgotha, just where the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was buried. I've been there. I've seen it. It's a massive stone. And there was a soldier standing guard. But they were all, and she comes, she thinks all's lost. And then... The tomb is empty. And she says, she turns around and she's filled with, with distress. She's, she's sad. And she sees that it's Jesus. She doesn't know. She says, Rabuni. And he says, Mary. She says, Rabuni. Because she realizes this is the resurrected Jesus. Just when it all seems lost, there Jesus speaks to his church. And even today and in these times, if you felt it's all been lost, Jesus today, up in your heart. Like those two disciples on Amos. Like Mary when she heard his voice. And Rabboni, teacher, saviour. Jesus is always flipping the script. He's always doing more. He's always, he's never finished. And he's still working right now in all of us. And when the disciples in Acts 2 and, 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 and the Spirit of God was poured out from heaven, it was the vindication from the Father that the Son had completed His yeah. job. There's the ultimate vindication. Now here's the Spirit. Pour us out. This is the Holy Spirit. Pour it out in power upon the believers, those who've given their hearts to Jesus. And He pours out the Spirit. And it's for the empowering of the witnesses. And they at that time are receiving flames and their tongues and they're speaking and they're filled with how and they come out, but they've got no clue what's going to come. They're fuzzy, they're happy, they, they are drunk. Years ago, I was in Jerusalem uh, at nine in the morning. We had a meeting in the upper room, just like them, and there was a crazy presence of God, and people were really touched by the Spirit of God, and people were worshipping and tongues. And, and by about 9.30, we had to get out because the next group was coming. And when we got out, people were laughing. And at that moment, seven ultra-Orthodox Jewish guys came past on their bikes, and two or three were walking, and they saw all these people looking as if they were drunk at 9 in the morning. And they started ridiculing us. And I said, this is just like Scripture. We were filled with the power. Yeah. But at that moment, those disciples, they, were full. they didn't know what was coming. They didn't know by Acts 3 and by Acts 4 they would be arrested. They didn't know by Acts 4 there would be threats of the Sanhedrin and all the Pharisees saying, you shall not preach in the name of this Jesus no more. 
looked like it was lost. They were, they were arrested and they were chucked and put in jail. And they come out and they say, why do you keep on preaching? And Peter answers them in verse 19. What is right in God's eyes? Shall I listen to him or to you? Who shall we obey, man or God? And by chapter 5, verse 29, says, Who must we obey? God rather than human beings is who we must obey. And so he gets to the moment where it all seems lost, and God again flips it. And they have that prayer meeting. I love that prayer meeting where they come together. They don't know what it's going to be like, but the power of God comes and shakes the building. I want to be in a prayer meeting where the buildings are shaken. You guys are coming together now and praying together. Uh, I want to say, expect this to happen. We were going to have our first live prayer meeting three weeks ago. And then they closed us down again. Closed us down. We were still closed, but they closed us from opening. Does that make sense? And we're going, Lord, we want you to pray. And we were chatting, and Elette was in isolation. She had just come back from South Africa, and she, she, she said, why don't we go and pray in the parks? Why don't we go out? And I said, yeah, we've got to do something. We can't just stay here. We can't just go to the Zoom again. I mean, honestly, and we said, right, we're going to go out into the city. So just like they were, the religious authorities came against those guys, they came against us and they shut us down. And so we said, all right, we're going to take it into the city. And we went into six parks. And we said, right, guys, come out together. We're going to flip the script. And we sent guys into all the big major parks around the city. We had not a lot of guys, about 100 guys that came together to pray. And we were two, three of us walking in little groups praying. And, and at one moment I stood when we were walking. It was that night and I was standing where we were. And I looked to my one side and there was the... The, the, the Ministry of Power, the Ministry of Interior. And another place was the State Mosque. Another place was the, the, um, the, the heart of the financial capital. And behind me was what I call the Tower of Babel. A, it doesn't matter. When you come to Doha, I'll show you the Tower of Babel. And as I stood there and I looked and I had the vantage point in one place to look at all these places. Wow. Amazing. We were praying. I thought, God said, this is why I've called you here. Come on. Come on. This is why I've called you, because these things must come down. Yeah, come on. Brilliant. And so, so pre-meetings where we start to shake the city. Brilliant. You guys are going to shake that city. You're not coming just so you can have a fuzzy, wuzzy time praying together, but you're coming to change the nation because we must go through many hard times and hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And as you guys come together to do this, we are flipping the script again. Yeah. Come with the expectation. They're always, the religious threats are always against us, but we don't settle. Come on, Rob. Yeah. We just don't settle and put on another Netflix series. The uh-huh. trenches become rat-infested, flea-infected mud holes if we stay in them. But we come out right. and we say we're going to take this thing forward and we do our part and God comes and changes yeah. one by one a life, one by one a family, and one by one a region. Yes. Our fellowship is not called to win the war from the trench. But with boldness and with power and with wisdom, we've got to come out and see the city shaken. Come on. In Acts 17, if you carry on in Acts, all the way through and you follow this, by Acts 17 says, these men who have caused trouble all over the world are now in the city and are causing uproar. These men, wouldn't that be... Life changes. Let this be your testimony because it's my prayer for us, but I want to pray for you. Let it be said that those people <laughs> who came from all over the world have come here and have caused the city and caused uproar. Yeah. Yes. 
Do we want to come into a safe church where we just sit every week and week by week do our thing and push the Zoom button or the YouTube button and we go back to our old life? No, we've laid it down. We've taken up the cross and we are following Him because yes. He's shaping us come to on. be people that will bring the kingdom. Acts 5, the hypocrisy around finances. There's a religious threat in Acts 4 and Acts 3. Acts 5, there's a hypocrisy around finances. When we were shut down, we can't do transfers of side of finances like you. People have to get in their car and they've got to drive from all over and they've got to literally come with a little envelope and they've got to come and put it in a box. Here. And so every step, when a guy comes to bring his tithe, it genuinely is, there's an area of sacrifice to it. There's a, there's a devotion as he comes to bring it. I actually love it. Yeah. But when they shut us down and said, you can't meet you no more, we thought, well, how would that be? And we thought for a week, we better, we, just, we better just ask people to hold back on this for a week so we can figure all out. And so my mate Merlin, very clever, he said, let's put a post box in the wall. And we built a post box in the wall and it looks, looks just like a letterbox, but it goes into a chute, into a safe, and you woof. And so even when we were shut, people could come. Some at dark, some at dark time, and they put their little envelope in and oh, said, God bless you. And they would bring their tithes. And it was tough. Finances were tough. Churches around the world and families around the world going through financial struggle. But we do not stop. And we said we will not stop. We're going to continue to give. We're going to continue to be generous. We're going to continue to be bold in finances. Because regardless of what the enemy says and regardless of what the government says, we've got to be faithful in this area. Come on. And we continue. And we've seen breakthrough after breakthrough. It's not been easy, but if you haven't met for a year and you can't do telegraphic transfers, you've got to be able to trust God. God would you supply, and He has. And every single one of the churches that we work with in the world around them have all been continued to be supplied by the funds of people that have come and brought their little envelope. That's great. Brilliant. Come on. Finances is sacrificial. Finances is given with joy. Finances is given consistently. And the church advances. We play our part. They don't really want to shut us down, but we just carry on. Yeah. By Acts 7, they come against the church and they want to, they start, I mean, there's the whole theological thing that happens with Stephen. Can you imagine what it must have been like for him to stand up? Well, yeah. Everybody, first ridiculing, first arguing, first shouting, and then the first stone comes. Bah! Yeah. So, and the next hit, and he carries on. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What it was like, and he continues, and, he's, and, he, and he looks up to heaven, wow. and he sees heaven open, yeah. and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne. You see, challenges and trials cause us to have the opportunities to make Jesus stand up from yeah. his throne. Yeah. And it's tough, but these are the tough moments where we get to exercise and flip the script and say, Jesus, you guys, what must you have said to the Father? Look at him. Look what he's doing. He's standing in the face of all this onslaught. This is the church that follows Jesus. Acts 11, they get shut down, they get scattered. Acts 8, Philip is out, they go, all the amazing stuff happened. By Acts 11, the church is shut down. It says, and some men from Cyprus goes to Antioch. We don't even know who they are. They, they're all shut down, but they go to a city. Apparently, the city had a pandemic or an epidemic at that time with disease. And there, the people are called little Christs first. 
They are called Christians first, Christ-like first. Because unlike the rich people and the Romans and the power who fled from the city, these people come into the city where it's rat-infested, poor and sick, and they bring the gospel so uniquely that they are called little Christs. Yeah, incredible. The opposition is always going to come against us. Yeah. That is with it. Our nature, unfortunately, now is to always go and move in the opposite spirit of the world. Come on. Good word. Acts 12. Peter is in prison. Amazing. Huh? The church prays and an angel comes and releases him. It looks like it's lost, but it's not. Acts 16. Paul and Silas in prison. I don't know how many of you have been in prison, and I'm really not hoping I'll go there. I was in quarantine for a few weeks, and that felt a little bit like prison. And uh, it's not so great, you know, but I thought, gee, was, at least I have the internet. At least I have a bath. The poor guys in prison, what do they have? And, uh, but these guys, what does Paul do? At midnight, him and Silas are worshipping yeah. and singing hymns. Oh. 12 o'clock at night, in a prison stinky, in a city called Philippi. They are condemned. They are in the stocks and they're worshipping. What does it be like? They flipped the script and God, someone said he moved his foot from heaven and started tapping to the beat and an earthquake came and set them free. We get to flip the script. Even when it doesn't feel like worship, we worship. Even though we don't feel like giving, we give. Even though we don't feel like praying, we pray. Even though we don't feel like coming out, we come out. That's what we get to do. Yeah. Yeah. I was in the midst of this whole thing a few weeks ago. But no, about three months ago. We were asked to shut down. It was a tough time. And I was just come out of quarantine. I was walking in one park here, praying. Just in the middle of the day. I'm praying. I'm saying, God, this is tough. And at that moment, there's an Indian gentleman and his daughter about 50 meters away. And I'm sort of looking. I've got, I can't remember. I didn't have music on. But I'm sort of walking. And I'm in thought. And I hear this man shouting, Pasta, Pasta. And I, who's this? And I look up. And here's this gentleman. And honestly, he can hardly speak English. But he comes to church. And his wife and daughter mostly translates to him. And uh, sit, I sat down. I said, he said, Pasta. He said, how are you? I said, I'm fine. He's like in broken English. He said, you know, I've been praying for you and your family in the church to reopen. So I've been praying for you every day and I've been fasting wow. for one month every day. Wow. And so I'm in this park all on my own, Nasa Park, and here's this man. Come on. And at that moment, I felt God remind me of Acts 18 verse 9 where he speaks to Paul. He says, do not be afraid. Yeah. I'm speaking. Do not be silent for I am with you. Yeah. And no one is going to attack you Maybe. or harm you because I have many people in the city. Yeah. And we sat down and I felt so encouraged in that moment. We took communion together there in the park in broad daylight. Just as there was some people watching not too far away. But... I just felt so strengthened. That very next day, another Indian lady phones me. She says, Rob, have you got food? I said, I'm always welcome for a bit of food. And uh, she comes with this most spicy curry. And I thought, oh, goodness. But I'm sitting there and I've got the smell of the curry. And I love spicy curry, but this is seriously spicy. And I said, how are you? She says, I've lost my job. I thought, wow. Here's a lady who's lost a job. Come to bring food to me. Yeah. to encourage me, I amazing. thought, wow, amazing. that's coming out the trench. Amazing. And I said to her, that's amazing. 
And we started chatting and I said, can I pray for you? And I prayed for her. And she says, you know what I do, Rob? I said, what do you do? She says, every night at 12 midnight, I set my alarm. And for one hour from 12 to 1 a.m., I pray for you and I pray for the church and I pray that God will turn this around. She says, every night, I want to start every day of the day, every, every day of, of, of my life, I want to start by first giving it to God and first praying. She says, I thought to myself, here's a woman who's lost her job. She's going through all sorts of trials and she's prepared to put her alarm to wake up at midnight every day for an hour and pray for us. I thought, God, what are you doing? He's flipping the script. He's calling people out despite their situation and they're taking the kingdom forward. Yeah. I spoke to my mate who needs a church in, in Tamil Nadu, in the mountains of India, in Tamil Nadu, in a place called Kotagiri. His name is Jiva. I said, Jiva, how's it going? He said, brilliant. I said, what? How's the corona? He says, no, oh, in India, we don't really have corona. now. he's just gigging. There's lots of corona. He says, but we don't worry too much. I said, what are you doing? He says, on Mondays, I go to this tribal village. On Tuesday, I go to that tribal village. On Wednesday, I preach the gospel in this tribal village. On Thursday, I go to the... I said, Jiva, you must be exhausted. He looks at me strange. He said, but this is my job. This is what I get to do. I said, who's helping you? He said, I have one family helping me. He said, uh, the lockdown came, and India, everybody had to scatter to their homelands. And this family, father, wife, and two children, walked 800 kilometers up from New Delhi, near New Delhi, all the way down to Tamil Nadu. They walked. They came to Jiva because that's their tribal village. They got saved the years before. And they came, they said, we've got to go and support him. So they walked 800 kilometers to come and help Jiva. Wow. Now preach to those very wow. tribal villages that he ministers to. Incredible. He said, these people helped me. That's why I'm not tired. And I thought, my goodness, I don't know even if I'm a Christian when I hear these stories. <laughs> Amazing. These guys are flipping the script. I'm nearly finished. You know, when we have those moments where we want to give up, can I remind you that the Holy Spirit hasn't also given up and fled back to heaven? He's still there. In the moments where we are weak, He is strong. In the moments where we struggle, it's the moments He comes through most. In the moments we surrender, is the moments He lifts us up most. It happened with Paul. It happened with Peter. It happened when James lost his head. What must the disciples have thought like? John, so he lost his head. And then John being chucked to the island of Patmos, exiled. He must have thought it's all gone. Just when you think it's all gone, he writes Revelation. Just when you think Paul is going to drown, he's shipwrecked, and he's bitten by a snake, revival breaks in Malta. Just when you think, now we've got him in prison, he writes, how many of the chronicles of scripture from prison in Philippi? To, to the church in Philippi from Rome, and yeah. Colos, and Philemon. Just when the enemy thinks he shut us down, God enables us yeah. by his power to flip the script. Yeah. The kingdom is advancing. God has never lost and he will never stop. He's transforming us and he's shaping us. And through it all, he's preparing a bride without spot, wrinkle of blemish to be filled with power. Come out of the trenches to see his kingdom established, to see the cities changed. I finish with this. In Luke chapter 4, Verse 1, Luke is the same author of Acts. It says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. 
Amazing, the Spirit led him into the wilderness. What do you mean? Yeah, sometimes the Spirit leads us into the wilderness. Sometimes the Spirit takes us into the desert. Sometimes the Spirit takes us to trial and challenge. But Jesus comes into the wilderness. He faces those trials, those tests, those temptations. And by verse 14, we read it again. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. The wilderness time is a challenge. The wilderness time is a trial. The wilderness time is a massive test. But the wilderness time where the Spirit led Jesus, propelled Jesus from being full of the Spirit to in the power of the Spirit. And I want to declare to the church, Doha Fellowship, Life Changers, and whoever's listening, if you keep your eyes on Jesus, if you flip the script, if you follow His Word and allow His Spirit to transform and empower you into, his, into a witness, He will take you. As you go through these times, not give up, not throw in the towel, not hide in a deeper bunker in the trench, but come out when God leads you. He will take you from full of to in the power of. And for life changes, I want to say to you, as you guys keep on this road, one family at a time, community at a time, plant at a time, get ready. God's transforming His church. He's shifting as He's shaping, as we follow Him. From full of to in the power of. Jesus took him 40 days. How's Joshua? 40 years in the desert place. Yeah. Keeping his heart pure. Staying in encouragement and supported to Moses. Yeah. Keeping his eyes on the promise that God said, I'm taking you to a promised land. Not getting bitter because his mates moaned and the spies came back and complained. But him and Caleb staying the course. 40 years, God took them to the wilderness and he took them in. Paul and Peter and John, all these guys, all the time. I want to declare to you today, life changes. Just where you are, in your home, in your little communities, wherever you might be, this morning. Father, I pray. I pray right now that you transform them in this incredible, challenging time, by your word and by your beautiful, wonderful, glorious counselor, Holy Spirit, the comforter, the empowerer, the paracletus, the one who walks alongside, the alas paracletus, the one who walks alongside and is ever present and transform them in these days from full of to in the power of. Before I pray for you, I want Hillet just to come up. She just has a short scripture she wants to read to you come guys. On. Come up, Hillet. So. In the beginning of, of this year, I felt God challenge me to take scripture and, and to make it my own. And uh, as Rob was preaching, I really felt to read Psalm 121 over you as I've written it in my own words. Um, as you feel you in a trench in your home, in a room where you cannot get out and you really want to, you feel this is the time I need to move on. I want to read this over and hopefully it's helpful for you. I lift my eyes to the hills, hills of despair, of corona, sickness, fear, hills of joblessness, hills of loneliness, hills that seems big, hills trying to intimidate, hills that laugh at us, hills saying there is no future. Where 
is my God. And I, and I cry, where, oh, where will my help come from? But I know, yes, I know, my help has always come from Him. Today, it will come from Him, the King, and tomorrow for sure is also in His hands. His hands that loves, protects and heals, hands that guide and leads. My help comes from the Almighty God who not only made heaven and earth, but God who knows me, God who knows my future, and He knows my tomorrow. My help comes from my provider who through the years looked after me, lavished His love and mercy on me, my provider in times of need. My help comes from Jesus Christ, the risen King, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, by everlasting God, Emmanuel, my God, with me. My help comes from Him who knows my name, who knows the plans He has for me, from Him who never sleeps, from the King who holds the whole world yes, in His God. hands. Yeah. When I see the hills of uncertainty and of despair, I lift my eyes and I choose to see Jesus Christ who died for me, who lived for me, who already overcame for me. Let faith arise, the earth may shake, but He stands firm. Let faith arise, Church of God, choose Him, choose to believe Him, choose to stand up for Him, choose to glorify Him. Rise up, stand firm, move forward, take ground, rise from the trenches, let the church gain ground. As an army for the King, we will not be shaken, no more will we hide. Let His church arise. And Father God, I pray as many of us sit in trenches, it's comfortable. We're filled with fear, some of us. We don't know how to move forward. We don't know how to move out. But today we say we choose to look towards you, Jesus Christ. We choose to see you, Jesus Christ. And we choose to say we will stand firm. We will rise up. We will move forward for this great King. We will take this kingdom forward. Father God, I pray for an army of people to rise up people and life changes to rise up in Doha to rise up and say we no more will we hide away no more will we sit no more will we be filled with fear we will say yes to this king and I pray for, for young and old men and women students and, and old people in old age home to rise up and say we will not hide away anymore father god we want to flip the script we want to say lord jesus your word and your word alone we will not listen to man we will not listen to to what the world says and the enemy whispers in our ear but we will look at your word and say we will rise up for this king jesus christ our beautiful king will rise up for this beautiful king jesus name just where you are won't you just stand just there where you are in your homes wherever behind the computer screen behind the tv Right now, just would you just somehow just perhaps just open up your hand, just in the place of receiving, open up your hands. Maybe you want to close your eyes, maybe you just want to raise your spiritual spiritual eyes up to heaven. Just lift them out, your eyes up. Could do it physically too. Father, we look to you in these days. We pray right now for a release of your power, of your spirit over that church, over life changes right down the tip of Africa. Where they're changing a city, they're changing suburb by suburb, and they're changing and impacting nations. Jesus, would you fill them with your power from heaven? Would you fill them with great boldness? And like the church in Acts chapter 4 says, Father, would you consider the threats all around us? 
enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Would you stretch out your hand, O Lord, and cause them to heal and to see signs and wonders come. Father, let it happen. Fill them now as they go from full of in this season through in the power of through challenge by challenge coming out of the trench coming out of the hole bit by bit starting to serve starting to love starting to make food for a lonely starting to give again starting to worship again starting to pray again Jesus we commit them to you today pray right now you touch them with the accuracy of the missile of the spirit of heaven love them Lord we love you Jesus and Father if there's anybody listening today that has not come to follow you yet we pray that today know that the Father through his son Jesus is calling you to follow him come follow me and I will make you and I will shape you and I will change you I'll cause you to be a life changer for my kingdom bless them now Lord bless them bless them protect them Lord fill them Lord Cause them to walk in the favor beyond what they can imagine. In the mighty name of the risen Son, Jesus, we pray.